This is On and Off Your Mat podcast episode 18. I am Maris. My name is Erica and I'm your host. For this episode, I sat down with Maris Degener. Maris is a yoga teacher, mental health advocate, writer, and UCSC student. Since becoming certified in vinyasa at 16, Maris's love of yoga and passion for sharing its offerings has only grown. Maris's teachings and writings have been recognized by CNN Health, Seventeen Magazine, Girls Life's Magazine, and others. As always, I really appreciate your support. So as you leave a review on iTunes or on your iPhone podcast app, you automatically enter our giveaway. Once more, Athleta is supporting this podcast in their effort to ignite a community of strong women who lift each other up and is giving out a $75 shop card. If you want to know more, stay tuned. I'll give more details at the end of the show and I'll announce the winner of our last giveaway. On that note, take a listen. I'm sure you'll enjoy. Hi, Maris. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me on. I met Maris on Instagram and we became friends. I love the way she approaches mental health and eating disorders, having my own issues with, or my own history with these issues. And I later discovered that she was a talented artist and writer. I saw there was a beautiful documentary that was done on her and I went to watch it at the Mail Valley Film Festival. And as I laughed and cried, I thought she would be a great guest for the podcast. So Maris, let's dig right into it. Can you tell us about your story about yourself? Yeah, well, like you said, my name's Maris. And when I was in high school, when I was a freshman, I was hospitalized for an eating disorder or anorexia. Mm -hmm. uh, and once I got out of the hospital and was a little ways into my recovery, I was looking for something that would really embody my recovery, that would make it a, a mind and body healing experience. And it just so happened that a yoga studio was opening up in my hometown in Walnut Creek. And they had a free class. So I decided to go try it out. And I ended up just falling in love with the practice, falling in love with my teachers. And eventually when I was 15, turning 16, I went through yoga teacher training at that same studio. Mm. And ever since then, I've been teaching yoga, writing about yoga and mental health, and um, just trying my best to make the world a better place in a, in a little way. <laughs> I think you're doing a great job at it. Ah, thank you. So how did you get to where you are today in the sense of the movie and you're doing talks and how did that all evolve into what you're taking on now? So hmm, I guess if I had to find a starting point, um, the summer after I started teaching yoga, so the summer after my junior year of high school, I started writing a lot about my journey and what I was learning and all the the obstacles and, and fun fun mistakes that happen when you start teaching yoga. Mm -hmm. um, so I decided to start a blog and nobody really read it. It was just like my mom and maybe she'd share it with a friend or two if she really liked it. Mm -hmm. um, and somehow uh, Ashley Strickland, who's a reporter at CNN Health, um, just caught wind of a piece I wrote about my eating disorder and about my journey starting to share my experience having disordered eating. Um, and wrote a little piece on it. She interviewed my yoga teacher, my family. Mm. Uh, and it was like this really big kind of like coming out story in a way because yeah. it was, uh, I lived in a small town where you didn't talk about mental health. And all of a sudden I was, you know, <laughs> on the front page of CNN Health's website with this big picture of me that says, it, it was something like anorexia to yoga, healing journey or, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so that got a lot of eyes put on me 
when I was, you know, still really young. And so it was a little bit overwhelming, but I realized for the first time that I was saying things that people were interested in hearing. And in a lot of ways, it was empowering for them to hear. Mm -hmm. And so I just kept writing and I I just kept teaching and, and really trying to develop a way to connect with people in a way that felt really meaningful and authentic. And it just so happened that growing up, I used to babysit for this woman named Laura <laughs> uh, while she was going back to film school. And so throughout all this process, she realized you know, something was going on, something was happening in my life, and she wanted to make a short film about it. And so we we kind of went in with this intention of she wanted to make a different kind of eating disorder film mm-hmm. that wasn't triggering, that was really healing and put a lot of emphasis on healing. Um, but it was just supposed to be a little 10-minute clip that we'd, we'd put up on YouTube. It'd be practice for her. Um, and it just kept growing from there. And we ended up getting picked up by uh, Rocco Films, which is an amazing distribution and production company. Um, and so now we're just uh, really rolling with it and really excited to see where the film's going. Mm. When she first approached you about the short, how did you react at first for from the offer? Were you excited? Were you scared? What was your first like, oh? Well, my initial reaction was no. I didn't want to. Um, What changed your mind? Well, I I had like a really negative experience with eating disorder media because I was, when I was in the thick of my disorder, I just consumed every bit of it I could, like read every memoir, watched every film, watched all those like weird reality shows. Mm. And it all just felt so exploitative and it felt so competitive because I never walked away from any of those mediums feeling empowered to heal. I felt like I had a bunch of disordered habits I wanted to steal or or compare to my own disordered habits. And so I was really afraid that she would want to make kind of the classic eating disorder film, like give me all the pictures of you when you were really skinny and let's talk about how many calories you ate and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I really was very upfront with her and said, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it my way. And you know, we're going to make it clear that this was a hard and challenging thing to go through, but we're not going to make it exploitative. So um, what changed my mind was I realized that we had an opportunity to do things differently and to hopefully do things in a way that would help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I really felt it when I watched it, that it was not about mm-hmm. the challenges and the darkness, but it was really about healing and hope. I felt mm-hmm. actually very hopeful watching the movie. Oh, I'm glad that went through. Thank you. Yeah, I did. When the movie started to grow bigger and bigger, how was that for you? Um, I think it's still very surreal <laughs> um, because we went on our little, our festival circuit recently and I got to go travel around and you know, I flew out of the country to do a screening for a day and went to Mill Valley where we were in a theater that could seat 300 people. And mm-hmm. um, it's just so surreal to see, your, one, your face that big on a screen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but two, it, it's just so surreal to have something that used to be such a big secret. It used to be something that I fought so viciously to hide mm-hmm. um, to now be my main medium of, of connecting to people and helping people. Um, so it's... Uh, Yeah, I think I still don't believe that any of it's real in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, But I'm just beyond grateful for every bit of it because it's it's really been such a natural and organic process. So it feels like it's it's being of service to people. And how was that process? Like how involved were you in the storytelling before you said, uh, I wanted to do it my way? How does that look in the collaboration part of it? So, I mean, Laura has 
ultimately all the creative decision-making power. I'm not like a producer on the film or anything. I'm just the subject. Mm -hmm. Um, But she really framed the film around all my writings. So she really like went and printed out everything I'd ever written on my blog. Um, And we went to a recording studio and I just read like everything I've ever written, which is Mm. horrifying to do. (laughs) Um, And so I think she really used my own words to construct the, the narrative or the story arc. Um, and then interviewed people who I, I mentioned or referenced to really fill in those pieces. Mm-hmm. So um, in a lot of ways, the film is kind of like breathing life into my art and my writing and just putting it into a different medium. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's true. I didn't realize, like, I, I remember the film opening on you writing, but I didn't realize the narrative was all your writing. That's yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about that blog, what has it given you to to write the blog, or like, why does it matter, and you continue to do it? I think I well, I mean, growing up, I always loved books, mm. and you know, books raised me in a lot of ways. I would go to the library and just like bring a giant grocery bag and fill it with books, <laughs> and take them home and just read from morning until night. Um, And so I've always had this passion for writing and reading and I've always wanted to write a book. Um, But what's more accessible is writing a blog Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because you don't need an editor to do that. You don't need a publishing company to do that. So I think I really saw a blog as a a more accessible way to get my words out there and get my words read. Um, And the beautiful thing about blogs is that it's free to read blogs. So it really is a very accessible medium. Yeah. Um, So I think I've always seen in a way my my blog is being a stepping stone towards that book. I just, I, I really, really want to write a book and I feel like in a lot of ways I already have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it, it feels like, um, like this constant practice in, in exploring my, my story arc or exploring what I want, exploring what I want my story to be. So um, yeah, it, it almost feels like practice. Yeah. So what would be the story you'd want to tell in this book? Uh, you know, I, I mean, like I said, I've read like every self-help books, every memoir that's out there. And Mm -hmm. I I really find that what resonates with people is not telling them what to do, but just sharing who you are and and Mm -hmm. what you've been through. And so it wouldn't be like a, here, let me tell you how to live your life kind of book. Just (laughs) like the movie doesn't do that, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would really want it to be a like, here is how I have and I'm still finding my path and the things and the tools that have helped me. And um, hopefully you can find little things that resonate with you and you want to take away with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was also a strong intent in the film is that we didn't want to be prescriptive and we didn't want to um, even portray yoga as being this like panacea that will cure everyone, regardless of who they are, what they've been through or what their current situation is. We really wanted to frame it as one healing journey and uh, hopefully an opening to a discussion about how to find your own healing journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very nice to give people the awareness that yoga was your tool, but mm-hmm. they need to find what will be working for them. Yeah. Uh, talking a bit more about that, as your mental health advocate and as yoga did impact your recovery journey, how was it helpful? So I, one of the first times that I went into that yoga studio, just be yoga, my teacher, Jenny, handed me a copy of The Yamas and Niyamas by mm-hmm. Deborah Adele. Uh, and I remember opening it and the first chapter was on Ahimsa. Mm-hmm. And I was so taken aback by how simple it all seemed. You know, it was like nonviolence. And I remember reading the title and thinking like, yeah, I know not to punch people in the face. I got that one. 
Um, but it's but a little bit it. more subtle than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I started reading into it and I was like, you know, I've never identified as a violent person. I've never thought of myself as being violent. But everything that I'm doing to my body and all the words that I'm playing like a tape in my head are incredibly violent against myself. Mm-hmm. And I had this moment where I realized that you know, your daily self-care, your daily self-love practice is really just a practice for how you're going to treat other people in your life. Mm. And so I think it really took that first shift of realizing like, oh, this yoga stuff, it really means something and it's not selfish and it's not something I'm just doing for myself. This is really a transformative practice that's preparing me to serve other people. Um, so I think once I, I had that first click, I started going into my yoga practice with a really different mindset and realizing that there's just so much to learn. Mm-hmm. There's I will never learn everything about yoga. You know, there's so many facets to it, but I really feel like it all comes back to that root of preparing yourself to serve others. And I think that was the the shift that I needed and has continued to carry me throughout my recovery. Mm-hmm. And do you think the part of yoga that's about awareness and self-study has helped you through the blog or has helped you tell your story through the movie? Yeah, I, I think it can really be found in this the shift that, that happened in my writing over time because when I first started my blog, I don't think it really resonated with anybody because I was really caught up in this idea of I need to project this image of this perfect young yoga teacher. Mm. And I, I desperately wanted assurance that, that I was you know, worthy of being a yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. So I kind of presented everything as here's what I have figured out. And like, here's a cute way to say it with a cute little saying or motto. And um, it wasn't real. Mm. It was all a facade. And uh, one of my teachers, Malia, called me out (laughs) after class one day and said, look, you're a good writer. I can tell there's a lot you have to say, uh, but you need to talk about the things you don't want to talk about. Mm. And so I, I think the, the yoga really helped me realize that in order to really step into your light, you have to acknowledge the dark mm-hmm. and you have to look at the good and the bad and uh, the ugly and the pretty in everything. And I think it's helped me become a better communicator, especially through writing. Mm. Why do you think today it's important to share our stories or what? I've, I've read somewhere in your stuff that you talk about fierceless authenticity. Like, what does that mean to you from moving from pretending and having a facade in your writing to really being open and vulnerable? I mean, we live in a world that is built upon facades and, you know, there's positives and negatives to that and we all do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But with the, the propagation of social media and the way it's become such an integral part of our culture, it's becoming easier and easier to fall into this trap of promoting a facade. And I think when I think about fearless authenticity, which was the theme of my yoga teacher training that I went through, mm. um, it, it's really not about um, it's not about trying to construct this image of what authenticity is. It's really peeling back the layers and, and going back home to what's always been inside of you, uh, because so much of the so many of the messages that were sent are like, here's how to fix yourself, right? Do mm-hmm. this diet, wear this makeup, buy these special clothes and you will be fixed and then you will be worthy and then you can be yourself. Mm-hmm. But I think what's really powerful is that the yoga peels back the layers. It's a transformative process that peels away all these facades that we've taken on, all these burdens that we've put on ourselves or have been given to us by others in our lives. Um, 
And it, it really shows us that that we're worthy underneath all of it. And I think that's why we we should feel empowered to share our stories because we're all diverse and we're all different and we've all had struggle in some way, shape or form. And in viewing that, we can appreciate what this process is really about. Mm-hmm. And we can connect to other people because all of a sudden we're not alone in this anymore. Or we mm, stop yeah. thinking that we're alone. We're not separated because we can connect. We can see that other people have the same story and same challenges and same issues. Or yeah, absolutely. And I think what's been really powerful to see with the film is that a lot of times when people come up after to talk to me, they have never had an eating disorder, mm-hmm. but they've struggled with depression or addiction or abuse. And even if our stories aren't exactly the same, they can still reflect in one another. And mm-hmm. I think it it goes to show that even if we're not all identical, we can still find these unifying pieces of our experience. Yeah. You're still mirroring something to them that speaks to them. Yeah. Hmm, that's awesome. Talking about that authenticity and talking about representing yourself and showing yourself, why did you choose to call the movie I Am Maris? Is the title about like exposing and accepting everything that you are or is there another thought behind that? Um, you know, I actually don't 100% know the, the right answer to this. <laughs> um, I actually have never asked Laura where the title came from. Um, but I, I do think that somewhere in one of the, the, the writings that I, I read for the narration of the film... I say that line, I think I say, I am Maris. Mm. Um, And I think it has something to do with, again, those like facades or those images that we take on. Um, But a a main theme that Laura wanted to get through with the film is uh, you can have and work through mental illness, but it doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to be something that's hidden. You don't need to hide it away, Um, but you are still you. You are not your disorder or your addiction or whatever it is. Mm. So I think it has a lot to do with that that empowering aspect that you always get to define who you are. And once you step into that power, it's um, a really healing experience. Oh, that's beautiful. You were just mentioning uh, people coming to you after the movie to chat with you. When we were at the Phil Festival, there was a Q&A at the end. So I was wondering if there was very interesting question that you've got either in film festival or from people coming to you. What was those interaction like and if anything really stood out to you? Um, I think a great question that, that we tend to actually get is why we didn't spend a lot of time digging into like the science of yoga or the philosophy of yoga or kind of that, that like nitty gritty of how yoga works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of that goes back to the idea that we wanted it to be more about the the holistic experience, right? Like one person's journey. Mm-hmm. And so if maybe yoga doesn't fit your journey right now or ever, we didn't want you to be like, well, why should I watch this yoga film? I don't care about yoga. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was also intentional because, um, you know, the yoga isn't necessarily a solution, right? You don't walk into a yoga class and get prescribed a list of things. Like if you sit and meditate for 30 minutes a day and then you do this certain yoga pose, you'll just be healed. Mm-hmm. You know, like the real process of yoga is that it shows you where your work is. Yeah, you know, You're on your mat in a challenging situation and, and you're faced with an ability to um, acknowledge that dark, right? In order to step into the light. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think the the reason that we don't spend so much time on like what yoga necessarily does to the brain, which is fascinating stuff, is because we really wanted to focus on that element of stepping into the things that bring you joy, 
but also stepping into the things that allow you the ability to reflect and to find your work and then consistently practice in order to heal. Um, but I thought it was a great question because it, it actually never occurred to me to really include that stuff in the film mm. um, because I, I really just saw it as like this overall healing story. Um, and I always saw it as a, a really multifaceted experience that a lot of people would be able to reflect upon. So yeah, I think it's a, a good question. Your intention was different. It was not about talking about yoga. It was talking about your authentic experience. And yeah. yoga was a piece of it, but it was not what the movie was about for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now I want to make a whole second film about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> With all those people reaching out or asking questions, how do you balance supporting others and also protecting your boundaries or your energy? It's a, it's a constant practice for me mm -hmm. um, because I really, I just want to give so much of myself away sometimes. And it's interesting because I, I recently got TSA pre-check. And so you have to go to this like awful government office <laughs> with fluorescent lighting and everybody looks sad and get fingerprinted. And they couldn't get any fingerprints out of me. Like it's a digital scanner. And, hmm. and this has happened before where they just can't, it's just a giant blurry smudge. <laughs> and they tried for like 10 minutes. They could barely get anything out of me. Um, and so the the lady was like, you just don't have any fingerprints. You must clean too much. And <laughs> I, I shared this on um, Instagram because I thought it was funny. And someone commented and said that they do palm reading. And I've never had my palms read and I really don't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. um, but she said that in palm reading, if you don't have fingerprints, it's a sign that you give too much of yourself to others mm. and you're not protecting your own personal boundaries. Um, so I think that it, that's really where my work is right now. I don't know that I really have any um, good answers other than it's a practice. Mm -hmm. And I really have to think about... Um, you know, Ahimsa, that first lesson that I really encountered in my yoga practice, right? If I'm not kind to myself, I really can't practice showing up in a kind way for other people. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's a, a little bit easier that a lot of my interactions happen online, like on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Um, so if I want to, I can turn off my computer, you know, delete an app and walk away for a few days. Yeah. Uh, but when I'm in person, like with my students, or I'm I'm traveling and and doing talks and stuff, it is uh, it's a it's an exceptional experience, but it's one that can be draining in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. How do you show up? How do you think that you can help other people? Is it just about sharing the story, or do you have another intention there? I think there's there's vast amounts of ways to show up and. Um, I know for me personally that encouraging people to share, use their own voices by sharing my own voice is a big part of it. Mm -hmm. um, but there's many other things that I want to step into as this time goes on and as the resources open up, um, because I would love to be in a position where I start to address the the nitty and gritty of mental health, of mental health care disparity. You know, um, ensuring that mental health care becomes accessible to more people, which is linked to a wide array of social justice causes, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's really a network. So I think that, you know, in helping other people find their voices, I'm hoping that it's kind of helping build this, this community, this generation of people who are all finding their own thing. You know, if my thing is helping people find their voices and that ends up being my lasting mark in the world, I can't complain about that. Mm -hmm. um, but if one of those people that finds their voice is an advocate for mental health, mental health care for people who can't otherwise afford it, then that's uh, kind of like a branch in this 
this tree and this web that's forming. So, oh, yeah. um, I don't know. I, I try to zoom out and see the big picture, but, but ultimately I, I really think I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do with this life. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is one of the biggest lessons you've learned through this journey so far, through your recovery particularly, or through exposing it and making it accessible for people to connect with you? I think one of the biggest lessons is actually one of the first lessons in the Yoga Sutras. Uh, and I can't remember, you know, it's, it's the first few mm-hmm. that all kind of go together. And it's it's something to the effect of you will realize that you are whole and complete when you realize you always have been. Mm. Um, and I really think that I came to yoga or I came to my recovery thinking that I was broken and that I needed to be fixed, mm-hmm. that there was something I could add or take away or change that would make me not broken anymore. But this whole process has actually been um, just discovering what's always there. And I think that taking that mindset into everything I do and every step of this journey has made it a lot sweeter. Mm. So if you had a magic wand and you can erase those challenging years in your life, would you do that or would you choose to relive it? I wouldn't erase it because it's it's given me an ability to connect with people and it's given me insights into what it's like to struggle with hard things that uh, I think makes me more empathetic and more sympathetic to other people. Um, I guess I would have to relive it. It doesn't sound super fun, but <laughs> I guess it's better than the alternative. Yeah. I mean, challenges are definitely teachers. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of your art in the movie and I really notice a change between the older art and the newer art, like in the feeling of it. And I was wondering how you feel when you look at older pieces of art that you've done today. How does they, they make you feel inside? You know, it's uh, it's interesting because for the film, I pulled out one of my sketchbooks from when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And it was the sketchbook that I had with me while I was in the hospital mm-hmm. and around the time that I was in the hospital. And I, I sat and, and went through it with uh, with Laura on camera. And it was a very, it was a sad experience, mm-hmm. you know, looking back and, and seeing all the pain that I'd put on these pages so that I, I didn't have to carry them around anymore. Um, but it was also very, uh, it was very reassuring to look back and see like, oh, I have come really far. Mm. You know, this is the darkness that I was sitting in 24-7 and I might not be walking around in sunshine and rainbows 24-7 now, but mm-hmm. it's vastly different than it used to be. Um, so looking back, I, I try to have a lot of appreciation for the journey and a lot of appreciation for how far I've come. Mm, that's sweet how far you've come and how far you want to go. What's your hope for the movie now? What do you want to accomplish in the future? Uh, well, I'm really excited for the the future of the film because we have some really exciting announcements that we're, get, we're getting ready to make in the next few months mm. um, about how it'll be more accessible, more widely accessible. Um, so I think that will be really exciting to see because I know not everyone can can find the time or the resources to, you know, go to a film festival or, you know, go to a theater. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And and my hope is that it'll be used in a lot of community ways, you know, mm-hmm. ways for people to come together and watch the film and ask questions and have conversations about, you know, all the things the film couldn't necessarily get to in, you know, an hour or whatever. Um, and so my hope is that it opens up more avenues for me to connect with people who are resonating with the film and, um, maybe bring in some resources to support them in that conversation. 
Mm-hmm. So what's next for you other than continuing that journey with the film? You obviously have book idea. Um, <laughs> any other big project coming up that you're brewing in the back of your mind? Uh, so, so nothing that's, that's public yet, but uh, lots of exciting things happening in the background right now. Um, still a college student, still <laughs> working on that. That's really my day-to-day focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm keeping my eye on that book. We'll see where that comes. What are you studying? Uh, psychology. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And where do you want to take this? Why are you studying psychology? Uh, well, I mean, uh, I'm studying psychology because I found everything else to be too frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> I, psychology okay. feels like a really natural progression for me. It's something that I'm excited about learning about. Mm-hmm. And I was really ready for my academic career to take a turn towards um, the joy in learning instead of the pressure of trying to be perfect at learning. Um, so I really think I'm studying psychology for the passion of it. I, I don't know that it'll become necessarily my career in a really obvious way. Like I don't necessarily see myself being a, a therapist mm-hmm. or a psychiatrist, um, but I think it it plays an integral role in everything that I understand about mental health care and mental health care advocacy. So um, it's, uh, it synthesizes well with everything else I'm up to. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything else you want to add before we finish anything about your journey, your recovery, the movie itself, or something we haven't touched on that you thought is important to talk about? I think the, the only thing is, mm, Yeah, no, I actually, I, I don't think I have anything else because I want, if anybody happens to see the film after this, I want them to have their own experience and sure. <laughs> um, experience it in their own way. Yes. Where can people see the film right now? Um, uh, <laughs> Or no, early 2019. <laughs> <laughs> um, I promise that early in 2019, there will be a way for pretty okay. much everybody to see it. Great. So I will put all your info in the show notes, but if people want to stay on it, stay on top of it, make sure they can see it. They want to follow your work. Where's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, they can They can find my blog and, and read everything there. It's at yogamaris.net. Uh-huh. Um, or they can follow me on Instagram. It's just at yogamaris. And there's lots of stuff over there too. Awesome. And I'm sure you'll put all the info there once you are allowed to share what's happening. Oh, yes. I can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> I'm excited too. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure having you on. Oh, thank you so much. This is a joy. Awesome. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for listening. We have other great guests coming up, so make sure to subscribe. Now, if you want to make my day, help other people find this podcast, and get your chance to win a $75 shop card from Athleta, all you have to do is head on to iTunes or on the podcast app of your iPhone and write a review. As you leave your review, you automatically enter a giveaway. You don't have to do anything else. And I announce the winner on the next episode. If you're newer to reviews, check out the show notes for instruction or for more info about our guests of today, you can also go to my website, ericabelanger.com slash blog dash podcast. And I write my first name with a K if you don't know already. Last episode was also supported by Athleta. Thank you so much if you left a review. The winner of that giveaway is user Shiva Jess. Shiva Jess said, Over the last few weeks, I've been catching up on all the episodes of Erica's podcast. First of all, I have to say that I love listening to her accent. I'm a yoga teacher and I find her interviews very inspiring and insightful about yoga philosophy, spirituality, and personal growth. Plus, the interviewees are very interesting and often very funny, i.e. Danny Pomplum and Sean Halen. 
Thank you. Keep up the good work, Erica. Well, thank you, Shiva Jess, for your comment. DM me or send me an email at erica.belanger at gmail.com and I'll send you your shop cards. See, guys, it's that simple. Once again, thank you for joining us and until next time.